for today's reading of the holy scriptures let us turn to 1 corinthians 1 corinthians chapter 3 1 corinthians chapter 3 reading from verses 1 to 4 may i request everyone to stand for the reading of the word of god but i brothers could not address you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh as infants in christ i fed you with milk not solid food for you were not ready for it and even now you are not yet ready for you are still of the flesh for while there is jealousy and strife among you are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way for when one says i follow paul and another i follow apollos are you not being merely human may the lord bless the reading of the word you may be seated morning church morning. all of us we were singing in god's presence whom shall we fear because we all belong to god amen? amen we believe in a god to whom we belong to and because we belong to this god there is nothing that we absolutely need to fear i want to take this time to just say thank you to the lord for yet another opportunity that we all have together to study from his holy word about two weeks back we all together we looked at first corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 onwards i hope you remember what we discussed right first corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 onwards we looked at the power of the come on church we looked at the power of the the gospel we looked at the fact that the gospel is so powerful we saw that the gospel does not number one depend on human wisdom therefore when you go out into the world and when you preach when you talk to other people let us not hesitate let nothing hold you back why because the power of the gospel does not depend on human wisdom god will use every human limitation to bring out his glory through our life that was the first thing that we saw number 2 we saw if it does not depend on human wisdom it depends on the power of god just and read that verse today chapter 1 verse 18 to those who are perishing the message of the cross is foolishness but to us it is the power of god we go out we live christian lives with the power of god it is only by the power of god that you and i can live christian life and number 3 we saw that the gospel is preaching christ crucified we do not have any other message to tell of this world when we go out we tell christ that is crucified we read in the scriptures we in order for us to talk about christ being crucified he first needs to be crucified in my own spiritual life and that is what we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 onwards the power of the gospel i want to take a moment to pause and i want to ask all of us in the light of what we heard how many of us were able to express this power of the gospel during the last couple of days and weeks in our christian life it is not only important for us to come to church and listen to god's word it is far more important for us to practice what we hear whenever the word of god is being spoken to us and i want to encourage all of us in the light of what we heard may the power of this gospel be exhibited through our christian lives every single day and today we looked at we are going to be looking at first corinthians chapter 3 And John I want to thank you for reading this portion of scripture to us and when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 it is one of the most important topic that is there in the mind of God he talks about his church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 he talks about his church and that is what I want to share with you in the next few minutes so can I request you to sit with a prayerful heart and ask the Lord Jesus would you speak to my heart Lord would you speak to me about the aspect of the church would you tell me what is it that you desire 
of the church through your eyes. So that I can look at my own lives and see what areas I need to correct in my life through the church. You know, if you were to turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, when you read verses 17, there is an iconic statement that the Lord Jesus himself makes over there. If you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 17, we know this portion of scripture very well. We know this conversation that Jesus is asking his disciples. He says, guys, gather around me. You know, when I go into this world, there are a lot of opinion that people have about who I am. Would you tell me who I am? Who do you think the Son of Man is? And then all the disciples, they look at Jesus, they say, Jesus, some people say that you are Elijah the prophet. Some people, when they saw that you were crying over the destruction of Jerusalem, they remi- you reminded them of that prophet Jeremiah. Some people say, it's not John the Baptist, it's not Elijah, it's not Jeremiah. Some people say that you are like one of the great prophets. And then Jesus said, no, no, that's all what the people say. Who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter says, I believe and I testify that you are, you are Christ, the son of the most holy God. And then Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, son of Jonah, this was not revealed to you by man, but it was revealed to you by God the Father who is in heaven. And you know, Simon, you have become Peter, Petra, which means rock. And it is on this rock I will build my church. He is not saying that he will build on Peter the rock, but rather he says, Peter, just like how you are the rock and how you are steady in me, And because I am the foundation, I am the rock, it is on myself that I will build the very foundation of the church. The church is built on the very foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know that Jesus is talking about himself as the church? If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the same passage, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, there it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation for the church. There is no other foundation other than the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only foundation for the church. And when Jesus says that he will lay the foundation on himself, he continues to say, I will build my church. Not only will I build my church, but when I build it, I will make sure that the gates of hell will not prevail over it. Have you read that? Or in another passage it says, the gates of Hades will not prevail over it. The gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail over it. Now what does that mean? What was Jesus Christ trying to say? You know the word Hades is talking about physical death. And he says, those who are part of the church of God, those who are part of the New Testament church of God, you know, physical death will not prevail over them. Yes, it is true, one day you and I will become old. One day you and I will die. One day people will gather around us. They will put us into a coffin. There will be some who will be weeping. On that day, whatever they could never tell to us when we were alive, they will stand for hours and they will preach to the mic. He was such a man. She was such a woman. And then they will bury us into the ground. But the gates of hell will not prevail over it in the sense, one day at the voice of the archangel, when God calls all who belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, the dead in Christ will rise again. That is the meaning of the phrase when Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail over it. Death will never overcome all those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to pause and I want to ask an important question to each and every one of us this morning. Do we live that kind of Christian lives in the light of the word? It is true that those who are in Christ are living lives that are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. But do we live as alive Christians or are we still dead? I hope you're trying to understand what I'm trying to say. It is true that anybody who lives in Christ, he lives a a Christ that is alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. But do we live such kind of lives in the light of the scriptures? Or are we still dead? When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, this, this portion of scripture can be divided into three portions. If there's no place there, you can come and sit here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, It can be divided into three portions. 
Okay, when you read from verses 1 to verse 4, it's talking about the different kinds of people that are there in the church. Verses 1 to 4 is talking about the different kind of people that are there in the church. When you read from verses 5 to 9, it's talking about the ministry of the church. The ministry that is supposed to be done by the church. And when you read verses 10 onwards of chapter 3, it's talking about the judgment of the church. People that are there in the church, ministry that is supposed to be done by the church, and the judgment of the church. But today, for the next few minutes, I only want to concentrate on this first important aspect, and that is the different kind of people that are there in the church. The different kind of people that are there in the church, from chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. If you go to any church, this is very true of what I say. If you look at any kind of people that are there, it is very true of what I say. Wherever you go, whichever church we are part of, whatever background we come from, in every church of God, these different kind of people are found. And my prayerful desire is that as we examine the scriptures together, you and I, not me, you and I together we will understand our personal standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not my role to stand here and judge you. It is not your role to stand there and judge me. It is our own responsibility to look at our own lives, to examine our own lives, to see how is our standing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The different kind of people that are there in the church of God. Number one, in every church, there are those who are the unregenerate. There are those who are the unregenerate. Any church you go to, there are so many people who come into church. There are so many of us who come into church who might fall into that category of those being the unregenerate. Now you and I might pause and we might ask ourselves that question, who is that person who is an unregenerate? Who is the unregenerate woman? The unregenerate man? If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, there it explains a certain aspects about that man. Chapter 2 verse 14, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It's very clear, the unregenerate man or woman is that person who is living without the spirit. They are the person who lives without the Holy Spirit. Because they live without the Holy Spirit, there it explains, they cannot understand the things of God. They come to church on Sunday, sorry, we come to church on Sundays, we hear message on message, but there is absolutely no change. Why? Because there is no work of the Spirit in that person's life. There is no work of the Spirit in that person's life. You know, the Bible very clearly states, it is the work of the Spirit to convict every one of their sin. And that simply means that if we are living without the spirit, there is no conviction of sin. If there is no conviction of sin, you and I start to live this life in sinful ways. We become so comfortable in our sinful ways. We commit sin, but there is no problem with it. We do sin every single day and we do not have any desire to change. That is a person who is an unregenerate man. That is a person who is an unregenerate woman. Let me warn you, in the light of the scriptures, do not fool yourself into thinking that you are not. There could be somebody listening to me sitting here who might be an unregenerate person. You know, for that person, sin is perfectly okay. Sin is perfectly alright. You know, if you just turn your Bibles to the book of James chapter 2, And verse 26, it explains about the unregenerate person. James chapter 2 and verse 26, there it says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Very simple. The unregenerate person is the person living without the spirit. And it says, as the body without the spirit is dead. He or she is that person who is living as a dead person. He or she is that person who comes into the church thinking that they are alive, but the Bible very clearly condemns them to be dead. You remember in the Gospels, Jesus had a big problem with the Pharisees? You remember he would always at every point of time point his fingers at them? Not because he was not sure of how they lived the lives, but many a times these these Pharisees were unregenerate people. I remember in Matthew chapter 23 verse 27, the, the Lord Jesus himself talks to the Pharisees. He says, Oh, you teachers of the law. 
You know, you can fool everybody else. You might stand here and open the law and you might teach. You might preach. You might wear robes. You might fast. You might pray. You might pray. But you are like white washed tombs. You are like white washed tombs. And on the outside it says you've painted it all white. It looks attractive. It looks beautiful. There might be a cross in that coffin. But deep down inside that coffin there is nothing but bones. And if you go to a grave, if you go to a tomb, if you go to a box that contains a dead body, it will only give you one thing. And that is? And that is? Bad smell. That is why the people went and told Jesus, Jesus, why should we go to the tomb of Lazarus? It's been four days and it's not going to be a pretty sight. That is who an unregenerate person is. Remember the verse that we read today morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18, the Charles Chandler, he said, to those who are perishing, the message of the cross is foolishness. So an unregenerate person is not only a person living without the spirit, he is not only a person who is dead, but he is a person who is perishing. And I want to make a very clear statement, listen to me very carefully. There are many People who have fooled themselves into thinking that they are true born again believers. I'm not talking about anyone in particular here. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about Christians in general. There are so many people who come into the church of God. Week on week, they're involved with a lot of things. They preach, they testify, but they do not realize that they have not lived a life according to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, they are living a life without the Spirit. Therefore, they are living a life that is dead. And because they are living a life that is dead, they are absolutely a person who is perishing because the message of the cross is foolishness to them. My brothers and sisters, as you sit and as you listen to God's word, just as how last night I examined myself in the light of this word, I want you to ask yourself that important question. Are you truly a regenerate or do you realize in the light of the Holy Scriptures right now that you are living an unregenerate life? How do I know if I'm truly an unregenerate person? How do I know if I'm living without the Spirit? How do I know if I'm dead? How do I know because of all that I do, it does not make any sense to the Lord Jesus Christ? Can I ask you three things? Number one, are you rich towards God? Number one, are you rich towards God? When you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? When you go, before you go to bed in the night, what is the last thing that comes to your mind? Some of you are working, can I ask you a question? Why do you work? Is it only for that explicit reason to pay your rent? Is it only for that explicit reason so that you can make ends meet? Why are you studying? Why do you go to college? Why do you come to church? Are you and I rich towards God? You know, in uh, Luke chapter 12, we know that story about the rich fool, right? Yes or no? Louder, yes or no? And you know, God is talking to that man. He deals with that man personally. You know, that rich man, that rich man, he had a lot of money. He had a lot of food. And he said, what do I do? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to break down the barns. I'm going to build new ones. Not only new ones, I'm going to build bigger and better ones. I'm going to fill all my barn with food. And then on Flipkart, I'm going to buy a nice chair. I'm going to buy that chair, put it in front of me, put my legs on top of the chair, and all I'm going to do is I'm going to eat, I'm going to drink, and I'm going to be merry. And then that night, the Lord spoke to his heart and he said, You fool! Who's going to get all these things? Who's going to get all these things if I call you today? And then it ends by saying, This happens to that person who is not rich towards God. How do I know if I'm, if I'm an unregenerate person? Ask yourself that important question. I cannot answer that question for you. You cannot answer that question for me. Ask yourself, am I rich towards God? When I wake up, do I have any desire for God? Or am I happy in this muck that I'm in right now? This sin that I continue to do? The friends that I hang out with? The Saturday night parties? The clothes that I wear? The latest fashions is all that is there in my mind. Am I not bothered about the things of God, the word of God, the prayer, fellowship of the church? If none of these things catch my attention, please 
Do not fall yourselves into thinking that you are a born again believer. In all probability, in the light of the scriptures, I want to tell you, you are probably an unregenerate person. There are so many in God's churches today who have fooled themselves into thinking that they are truly born again. Am I rich towards God? Number two, are you sensitive towards sin? Are you sensitive towards sin? We've heard this so many times from this very pulpit. We've heard all our teachers from the word telling us this. Sensitivity towards sin will make us understand whether we are truly unregenerate or a child of God. When we commit a particular sin in our life, do we lose sleep? Now I'm not talking about the sin of adultery. I'm not talking not only about the sin of jealousy. I'm talking about the sin of telling a lie. Does it make us lose sleep? I'm talking about the sin of covetousness. Does it make us lose sleep? Do we get disturbed by it? Do you and I feel, maybe I spend too much time with my phone and I feel so guilty about it? If you and I have no sensitivity towards sin in our life, in all probability, that's because you and I are not truly a regenerate person. Can I just take your attention to 1 John chapter 3? Johnny, can you just give me a bottle of water? 1 John chapter 3. And can somebody read verses 6 for me? 1 John chapter 3. No one who lives in him okay. Sinning. Okay. No one who continues to sin. Hmm. Have you ever seen him or Okay, can you read verse 9 also? No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Hmm. Okay. So in another word, in another phrase, it basically means anybody who continues to sin, who is going along in the path of sin, who has no worry about it, he or she does not want to change their life, they are so happy in their sin, simply says is not born of God. Now listen to me very carefully. I am not talking about sinless perfection. I am not saying you and I will live that Christian life where one day you and I can say we are without sin. Nothing happening here. He's just keeping a table. Please listen to what I'm saying. You've seen this table before. You've seen this glass. Okay? Look, listen to what I'm saying. You know, I'm not saying that you and I will never stop committing sin. That's not what I'm trying to say. But an unregenerate person will not have a problem with that sin. They will continue with that sin over and over and over again. I've even heard youngsters tell me, it doesn't matter if I go to hell. I'm talking about people in church. I want to enjoy my life as I law as long as I live in this world. I want to do all that I want to do, and it's okay if I spend eternity in hell. Can you believe that there are people who live like that? They're not worried about their sin. They have no sensitivity to sin at all. And an unregenerate person continues to live in sin. It does not bother them, and they are not willing to do anything about it. Number one, are you rich towards God? Number two, are you sensitive towards sin? Number three, are you living a disobedient life? Are you living a disobedient life? Can you just turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2. And can somebody read verses 1, 2 and 3? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, 2 and 3. Okay. Okay, that's enough. You look at what it says. You once were walking in disobedience. That means those who are unregenerate are still walking in the ways of disobedience. They do not obey God. God tells them to change their life. The scriptures tell them to change their life, but they are not bothered about that. There is no conviction of the Holy Spirit. And as a result of which they have fooled themselves into thinking that they are born again, but they are basically living unregenerate lives. And when I preach from God's word today, in the light of what the conviction that the Lord has given to me, I want to ask you that question. Are you an unregenerate Christian? If so, I want to warn you at this time that you are living a life that is completely dead. I remember uh, I had this privilege of traveling to the northeast with uh, Charlie John from Agra. He's a great man of God. 
and we went out into the streets to share the gospel with the tracks and i loved the way he would share the gospel uh, we all know that northeast is a christian com- dominated place and when he gives the tract he would ask them a very simple question he would ask them are you a born christian or are you a born again christian and i loved the way he did that and my friends all of you listening to me i want to ask you that same question today are you a born christian or are you a born again christian a born christian means that you have a christian name that you come from a christian home that you come to church every single sunday that you put in your offering but i want to ask you it does not matter if you are a born christian what matters is that you are a a born again christian in the gospel of john chapter 3 verse 3 nicodemus talks to the lord jesus and jesus tells nicodemus nicodemus i want you to listen to me unless a man is born again he will not see the kingdom of heaven and i want each and every one of you to examine your life in the light of the scriptures to see if you are truly born again because in the church of god there are those who are the unregenerate number 2 very quickly not only are there the unregenerate number 2 there are those who are called as worldly christians there are those who are called as the worldly christians If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 we read this portion when we before we went to the message chapter 3 verse 1 brothers i could not address you as spiritual but as worldly mere infants in the lord jesus christ there are christians who are worldly there are so many of us who can fall into this category myself included we are all worldly christians now let me tell you they are all born again christians but the influence of the world is so much there in our christian lives they are like the seeds that you put into the ground they have germinated there is one or two leaves that have come out there are roots that have gone in but that is all that is there to it there is absolutely no growth and you know what is the sad part about the worldly christians they are very happy in the present place that they are they do not desire to grow any more they have a problem with everything else that's happening they even have a bigger problem when someone tries to teach them the word of god they're happy but the word of god very clearly states that they are worldly christians who is a worldly christian he is someone she is someone who's influenced so much by the world so much by the world the worldly thinking is still there in them even though the newness of christ is there in them we think like the world we talk like the world we behave like the world you remember romans chapter 2 verse 1 we know it right therefore i urge you brothers in the view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god this is your spiritual act of now what is verse 2 says it says do not conform any longer to the to the pattern of the but but transform your mind so that is who a worldly christian is who has not transformed his or her mind who is still walking in accordance with the pattern of this world basically they are christians who behave just like any other person of this world would behave you get what i'm saying and the world is one of the biggest influences for worldly christians somebody made a statement and i'm sure you've heard this that you know the world can either keep you far away from god or god can keep you far away from the world and the world has influenced us so much because of which we are not allowing the transformation of our mind we come to church we praise god we are born again believers i know i'm on my way to heaven and that's all that matters to me that's all that matters to me I don't want to be transformed. I don't want to be an active person. I don't want to read too much as long as I read once a week, as long as I do one or two things in the church, everything is all right with me. You remember in James chapter 4 verse 4, James himself tells, "You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Is enmity with God? It is enmity with God. How much of the world has influenced us, my dear friends?" How much of the world has influenced your and mine Christian life? Do we behave in that way? Do we think in that way? Do we talk in that way? Come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, "I cannot address you as spiritual, but as worldly." Now another character is mentioned. They are mere 
infants in the Lord Jesus. Number two, verse two, I give you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Let me ask you a question. When a baby is born, the baby is given mother's milk. After that, he or she is fed the bottle. But let me ask you a question. Throughout his life, can he drink milk? Yes or no? I can't hear you. Yes or no? You have to give them solid food. And that is who a worldly Christian is. They are satisfied by drinking milk. They are satisfied with the gospel. They are satisfied coming to church. They are satisfied once a month I get up and I share an exhortation. They are satisfied I say hi. They are satisfied with being involved in all the activities. But they are merely worldly Christians in the eyes of a holy God. Now in order for us to understand who a mineral who are worldly Christian is, let me, use another, let me use other phrases. Worldly Christians are those who are lazy. Can you, can you connect to that? They are the lazy ones. Worldly Christians are those who make excuses for each and everything. I can't do that. I can't do this. If the situation is favorable, if it is according to what I want, then I will do it. But I can't. I'm afraid. I'm not talented. I'm weak. I have no gifting. I don't want to be like that person. No. That's the worldly Christian. And I'm not telling this, condemning you guys. I've also done this so many times. The worldly Christian is the doubter. We are like Thomas. Unless I put my hand, unless I touch his side, unless I see it, I will not believe. And I believe to, G- to Thomas, Jesus said, Come, put your hand, touch, see. But blessed are those who have believed without. Yeah. You know what is the, my understanding, what is the true test of a Christian when he or she goes through any problem in their life? That is how you truly understand their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when everything is fine, it is easy for us to raise our hand and say praise the Lord. But when you and I have a problem, when you and I have a difficulty in our marriage, in our personal life, in our job, how is it that you and I react in our relationship with God will enable us to understand if we are a Christian or if we are worldly in nature. I remember the book of Job and the story of Job. You know when Job's house fell down, when his sheep was stolen, when his camel was taken away, you know when his children died, the scriptures very clearly states that when all these things happened, when, when, when Satan struck his skin with boils, Satan says, it is the Lord who has given, it is the Lord who has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then the next line in the scripture says, in all these things Job did not Say it loudly. Job did not against God. When you and I go through problems and difficulties in our life, aren't we very quick to point fingers at God and ask Him why? That is a worldly Christian. That is a worldly Christian. How do I know if I'm a worldly Christian? Let me quickly say that. Number one, what are the treasures that are there in our heart? What are the treasures that are there in our heart? If you turn to the gospel of Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 onwards, there it says, don't store up treasures that are there on this earth where moth and flies will take it away, but rather store your treasures in in heaven. Why? Next line, because where your heart is, there your treasure will be. If you are working only for the sake of meeting, meeting ends meet, you are a worldly Christian. We are only worldly Christians. If something shakes us and if we easily go this way or that way, we cannot stand firm in the light of the world. We are worldly Christians. Because I am only having the view of the earth. I am only thinking about what's happening in this earth. I am not worried about what's going to happen in heaven. I am a worldly Christian on the basis of where the treasure of my heart is. Number two, how much do I care for the world? How much do I actually care for the world? How much of the world is there in me, brothers and sisters? We all need to ask ourselves that question. How much of the world is there in me? How much do I love the world? How much do I behave just as how the world behaves? And number three, am I walking under the control of the Holy Spirit? In Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 17, there's the verse that is used that he says, Be not as the unwise but be as wise men and women and a worldly Christian is that unwise person you know can I tell all each and every one of us in the light of the scriptures and with a lot with a lot of 
with a lot of pain in my heart you know many a times we take god for granted isn't that true many a times we take god for granted many a times sunday for worship we walk into church whenever we want to walk in it's like as if god is waiting for an appointment with us and i will meet with god only when i want to come to church when our worship starts here at 9 o'clock how many of us walk before 9 o'clock how many of us sit in the presence of god and prepare our heart to worship him you know when you ask people they say that's because i had a late evening why don't you sleep early on a saturday why don't you cancel all your plans and sleep early on a saturday wake up in the morning so that you have time to get ready and come to church because it is not god who's waiting here for our worship it is us coming together to worship god whether you believe me or not that is how it is it is not god who's waiting here for me it is me coming and telling god that i am here to worship you coming on time is a respect that you have that i have for god and we so casually walk in whenever we want knowing god understands that's a worldly christian that's a worldly christian and i'm not talking about anyone in particular even i'm talking about myself how much of effort do i take when it comes to worship on a sunday what do i do on a saturday how do i prepare during the week so that just as we keep saying sunday is an outflow of the worship that we've had with god during the week sunday is not an exercise for you and i to come at that day morning you and i stir ourselves into worship if you and i have not worshiped god during the week it is difficult i'm not saying impossible it is difficult for the outflow of the worship to come on a sunday because it needs to happen every single day monday i see the blessing of the hand of the lord tuesday i thank god for what he has done wednesday i'm going through a struggle but i pray for the grace thursday i study the word of god friday i spend time in prayer saturday i rest in the grace of the lord sunday i come and i say lord i'm so thankful that out of all the people of this world you saved a wretch like me i take time i get ready i'm here on time i sit why because i want to worship the lord jesus christ and nothing in the city of bangalore will stop me from being here because i appreciate what god has done for me otherwise scripture says i'm a worldly christian because i'm walking in accordance to the pattern of this world there is no other way to say it number 1 there are those who are the unregenerate number 2 there are those who are the worldly christians number 3 there are those who are mature in the lord jesus christ there are those who are mature in the lord jesus christ turn with me first corinthians chapter 2 and verses 6 can somebody read for me verse 6 first corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6 loudly please okay okay so there the word of god says we speak the message of wisdom among those who are mature now there are those who are mature in the eyes of the lord there are those who are mature in the church of god there are some of us who struggle with our faith probably we are a regenerate person there are some of us who are born again but we are like those seeds we desire milk we don't want solid food and then there are those amongst us who are mature in the lord jesus now what does maturity mean if you just turn with me to leviticus chapter 22 there's a beautiful phrase there in leviticus chapter 22 and verse 21 you see what the word of god says there leviticus chapter 22 and verse 21 when anyone brings from the herd or flock a fellowship offering to the lord to fulfill a special vow or as a free will offering it must be without defect or blemish to be acceptable in the original language you see the word here it must be mature or in other words it must be healthy that's where we get the word mature from when you bring a lamb for the offering it must be mature it must be a mature healthy lamb Now when you keep connected to the verse we read in the New Testament a mature christian it is that brother it is that sister who lives a healthy christian life now please don't misunderstand me just because you and i read the word of god every single day necessarily does not mean we are mature you agree just because you and i pray every single day does not mean that you and i are mature just because i preach to you once a month from the word of god in the pulpit does not necessarily mean that i'm mature no it does not we can fool ourselves into thinking like that what does the word of god say who a mature christian is that is what you and i need to look at 
So come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look at what a particular phrase is used over there to describe a mature Christian. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13. Look at what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom and in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. A healthy, mature Christian is that person who speaks spiritual truths in spiritual words. It is not that serious man. It is not that serious woman who does not crack any jokes. No. It is not that person who always has a serious face, who talks in a serious tone. No, it is that person who always expresses spiritual words in spiritual thoughts. Everything that comes out of their mind are the words and the thoughts of God. They know how to distinguish between that which is right and that which is wrong. They are able, you look what it continues to say then verse 15. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things. But he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. The spiritual, mature, healthy Christian is that person who is able to make judgments. He or she is not that person who goes in accordance to the wind. If the wind blows here, they are confused. If the wind blows here, they are confused. You ask them, how are you doing? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what I am supposed to do. A spiritual, mature, healthy Christian is that person who is able to make judgments in all aspects of their life. And verse 16, the last part, but we have the mind of Christ. The spiritual, healthy, mature Christian has the mind of Christ. And what is the mind of Christ? In Philippians chapter 2, let this mind which was also in Christ also be, also be, And what is that mind of Christ? That when Christ, he knew that he was God, he did not consider himself to be equal with God, but he made himself, but he made himself, and he took upon himself the form of man. That is the mind of Christ. He or she is that person who is not afraid to be vulnerable. He or she is that person who leads the church, who stands in the front, but at the same time is willing to get down and serve people in the church of God. Now, I don't want to say there are many of us who are mature. Rather, I want to say, I want to encourage us to grow into maturity. You understand what I'm saying? To grow into maturity. I don't want you to sit there. I don't want myself to sit there and think, wow, I'm a mature Christian. No. To grow into maturity. To germinate. To produce those fruits, the flower that gives the smell. Let us all grow into maturity. If you are an unregenerate Christian, my prayer is that you find Christ. If you are a worldly Christian, ask for the forgiveness of your sins and come back into your fellowship with the Lord. If you are a mature Christian in the light of the word, can I encourage you, grow into maturity. How does a person grow into maturity? Number one, desire solid food. You remember in verse 2 we read, I give you milk, not solid food, because you are not yet ready for it. Desire the solid food. Don't just be happy by drinking milk. Desire the solid food of God. Now let me ask you a question. I want you to answer. What is the solid food? What is the solid food? I can't hear you. Louder? It is the word of God. How can you and I grow into maturity? Simply by spending time. With the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. All scripture. Can you say it with me if you know it? All scripture is God breathed. And it is useful for training, correcting, rebuking, teaching. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is only by the word of God. In, in Acts chapter 17 and verses 11, the Bereans were considered of more noble character than the Thessalonians. Why? Because they, because they received the message with much eagerness. And not only did they receive, but after the sermon was done, when they went back home, after they had their food, they examined to see if what Apostle Paul had said was right. In order for them to know what Apostle Paul had said was right, first of all, they themselves needed to know how much the word of God is saying. Desire the solid food. Number two, circumstances is never a hindrance for a mature Christian. Circumstances. George Chan enlightened us from the word last week. And he spoke about young men, right? He spoke about Timothy. He said, Timothy, let nobody look down on you. You know, circumstances, age is not considered for maturity. 
appearance is not a consideration for maturity achievements is not a consideration for maturity timothy even though you are young don't let anybody look down on you you know at the time when paul wrote to timothy i believe he was about 30 to 35 years old and he was a leader in the church and paul tells young timothy don't let anybody look down on you don't let your circumstances come in your way but in everything be an example to whom to whom you forgot it says be example to believers where do we find the believers gathering the church of god be an example in your speech in love in purity in all aspects number 1 desire solid food number 2 circumstances is never hindrance number 3 absolute devotion absolute devotion there are many of us myself included many of us who've come to church sunday after ch- sunday and if you're very honest with yourself you'll agree with me that we've 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 got done with our worship and we've gone back feeling very empty many of us it is possible as probably because we've been living an unregenerate life that's because the spirit living inside us is dead there is no fruit there is nothing that can be shown for it can i encourage you to find the lord jesus christ today there are so many of us who live such worldly lives we make excuses anything we ask anything anybody asks us no brother no sister please leave me out of it and can i encourage each and every one of us to strive and achieve to grow into maturity singles can i encourage you in the light of the word to grow into maturity Singles can I encourage you in the light of the world to find your standing in the Lord Jesus Christ to strengthen your relationship with the Lord so that we will not find it difficult week on week to come there outside catch a call and bring you inside for the why don't you do it by yourself can I encourage you to do that to grow into maturity all of us couples myself included you know before the Lord blesses us with children before the Lord blesses our wombs can all of us grow into maturity in our relationship with our wives with our husbands can we grow in our relationship to our spouse can we become a mature christian so that i will be a role model to my wife to my husband they will look at me and they will say he or she is a mature christian parents with children can i encourage you to teach your children to walk into a mature christian life how can you do that very simple be a role model And let me tell you if you sit there and if you say job and wait till you have a child I've been hearing this from from years back even before I got married they'll say wait till you get married then we'll see now I know people will say wait till you have children even after I've children they'll say wait till you have grandchildren that's all the excuses can I encourage you can you teach your children to grow into christian maturity and as a church as a church can we all grow into christian maturity i would like to close with this with story in the next few minutes and i request you to bear with me there was this christian who was in madly in love with a girl that he was betrothed to be married and as they were looking forward to the day when they would be married there was a day that they decided to meet and as he was standing it's a true story and as he was standing by the door he saw his his beloved coming to meet him on a horse and as he smiled and as she smiled and some of you are going back to that day when you also went through an experience like that look at tanya smiling and as he was looking at his beloved coming on on a horse to meet him it was a freak accident that happened and she slipped from the horse and she fell down broke her neck and she died on that spot and his heart was filled with so much of grief so much of pain and so much of sorrow anybody sitting here who's gone through gone through a heartbreak will understand what i mean it took him months and years to overcome that sorrow so much so that he was able to fall in love again but fate fell upon them again and that girl also died because of some illness if anybody in the pla- in the place of that man would go through that much of grief he would have become a mad guy you know what this christian did he went home and because of all the pain and agony that he went through he took a piece of paper he took a pen and he wrote the words of that song that we sing what a friend we have in Can you all say it with me all our sins and griefs to what a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer can you say it with me oh what peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear all because 
I do not carry everything to God in prayer. Can I take this moment to introduce the Lord Jesus to you? If you are an unregenerate person, if you've understood in the light of the scriptures that you are living without the spirit, if you've realized that you are a dead person, the Lord Jesus can make you alive. All you need to do is confess of your sins. Ask the Lord Jesus to come and live into your heart. After this worship, would you please stay back and talk to us so that we can pray and 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 guide you in the light of the scriptures. If you and I have realized, if I have realized that I'm a worldly Christian, would we all of us take a minute to say, "Lord, I'm sorry." for all the excuses that i've made for all the times i've come late to church for all the times that i've put you second for all the times that i've thought like the world i've said like the world i've behaved like the world i'm sorry lord would you please forgive me and can we all together pray lord would you make me a mature christian that i would grow into maturity that i would desire to eat the solid food that i would not only i'm telling about myself that i would not only read the word whenever i have to prepare a sermon but i would read the word every single day that it would convict me of my sin can i ask everybody to close their eyes for one minute and bow your head the only reason i'm asking you to close your eyes and bow your head is so that you can examine your heart right now everybody close your eyes one minute and bow your head I do not know what is the condition of your heart I do not know what you are going through but the Lord knows and would you talk to him right now would you take a few minutes just a few seconds if you've realized that you are a sinner and that you are in need of salvation and a Christ would you please ask the Lord Jesus to come and live into your heart it is very simple all you need to do is say lord i'm sorry would you forgive me i want to be your child all of us born again believers can i encourage us to ask the lord for forgiveness for being worldly christians can all of us as singles as couples as fathers as mothers as leaders of of the church as brothers as sisters can all of us together men and women can we say lord i am sorry for being a worldly christian i have come to church enough times and i fooled myself into thinking that i love you more but i've loved the world much more would you forgive me lord and would you allow me to grow into maturity Lord I want to be a mature Christian Lord I want to stop fooling myself I want to be a mature Christian I want to stop drinking milk and I want to desire the solid food that comes from God I want to walk by the work of the spirit I want to do all that I can do to show you that I live in obedience to you I'm going to give you a few seconds to pray whatever is there in your heart and then we will pray and then we will close Father God thank you lord for the scripture portion that we meditated on just as your word says enable us not to only be hearers of the word and so fool ourselves enable us to do what the word of god says lord there might be so many of us who fooled ourselves into thinking that we are born again believers we pray that the word, that the spirit of the lord would convict them of their sin lord we pray for us who are already born again but we've been living such worldly lives father we say that we are sorry we confess we confess lord would you allow us right now to make the decision to grow into maturity to stop making excuses to say lord that we mean whatever we say from our heart lord we cannot do this on our own we cannot lord so we ask you for that strength we ask you for grace we know that you are a ever loving forgiving god thank you father for listening to our prayer it is in your precious name we ask and we pray